Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, April 12, 2022. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on the doctor's opinion, and we are on page XXVIII, the fourth paragraph. We'll be taking two sentences. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate from the truth and the false. Just unpacking those two sentences. And yes, I guess I just read them all. <laughs> okay. Today's readers, and thank you to Team Tuesday, uh, Nancy P, Dara L, Larry K, Naomi G B, Davlin E, and our newcomer greeter, the Loretta M, and our host for the second hour, Matt J F. The reference numbers for yesterday, Monday, April 10th, 7 a.m. I'm sorry, Monday, April 11th, 7 a.m. 18,825, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 18,226. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overreading can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Naomi GB to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Naomi. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Naomi GB. I'm a co- recovered compulsive overeater and um, 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the uh, honor of doing service. Thank you, Naomi. I will now ask for Davlin E. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Davlin. Good morning, everyone. My name is Davlin E. I am a compulsive overeater from Manitoba, Canada. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you so much, Davlin. All righty, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two or a sentence or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your share to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on, top, on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone again. 
In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the doctor's opinion on page XXVIII on the fourth paragraph, starting with men and women drink essentially, going through two sentences, ending in differentiate the truth and the false. And I'm going to ask Nancy T. to get the ball rolling. Go ahead, Nancy. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Nancy T. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. This, I'm really glad we're breaking up this paragraph because this whole paragraph describes me when I'm in the throes of addiction, of food addiction. And um, it's important to break it up, I think, because it, you know, we need to identify in exactly where we're at. And part of this, these two sentences is that we can't differentiate the truth from the false. So maybe we don't even know where we're at in the throes of the addiction because we're believing those lies that the disease tells us. Um, hook, line, and sinker, we're there. It's like, but you know, that first sentence, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect. So what is that effect? When I, man, when I first discovered food, those first couple of bites would take me to the top of a mountain. I was on such a high. It was um, not about really the taste of the food. It was about the effect. I was on top of the world. I felt good. Nothing else mattered. And, um, you know, the unfortunate thing, like with any addiction, um, it starts to take more and more of that substance to get me to that mountaintop, you know. And then pretty soon, when I'm at the bottom, I can't hold, I can't physically hold enough of my substance to get me to the top of the mountain anymore. I just can't get there, but I keep trying because I'm believing the lies. I keep thinking, okay, this time I'm going to get there. This time I'm going to get to the top. This time I'm going to feel that high again. And really what I'm only able to do by that point is to maintain a status quo. I can't get those first beautiful highs that I got from it. Um, doesn't have anything to do with hunger. doesn't have anything to do with because it tastes so good. It has to do with the effect I'm chasing. And then the belief that I'm going to get there again someday is where I'm believing um, the lie. I don't know the true from the false. When my brain tells me that this time's going to be different, I believe it. And when it tells me that, you know, um, I might be 300 pounds, but it's going to be okay. I'm not, you know, the risk is, the reality is I'm going to eventually hit 400, then 500, then 600, just because of where my disease takes me. But I don't see that where I'm at. I see that I'm just fine where I am and everything's going to be okay. And and that's what my disease is telling me and I'm believing it hook, line, and sinker. So um, two great sentences. I'm glad we're unpacking it like that. And I can't wait to hear what everybody else has to share. So thank you for allowing me to be of service. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you so much, Nancy T. Great way to get us started. All righty. So although we value your experience, strength, and hope, we definitely want to hear from you. If you have spoken the last couple of days, namely Monday and Friday, we ask that you allow others to share their experience, strength, and hope as well first. 
Okay, so we'll take names and initials of last name, please. Who would like to share? This is Larry K. Karen K. Johanna M. Carrie, Karen Larry K. Larry G. from California. Harlan. Liz G. Harlan. All right, I missed a couple people. I've got Larry K., Karen K., Larry G., Harlan G. Who were the other Joanne. Joanne, Bas okay. Basa O. Roz G. Roz G. Okay. Is anyone else I missed? All right. We have a great lineup here. Okay, Larry K, Karen K, Larry G, Harlan G, Johan N, Basa O, and Roz G. Okay, Larry, step up to the mic or the pitching mound. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know baseball, <laughs> but I know you do, so just go uh, ahead. That's point. okay. <laughs> Thanks for your service. Uh, I'm Larry K, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. You know, when I think of the effect that the food uh, produced, you know, that chasing that effect, chasing that sensation. It was, you know, thinking back, it was intoxicating. You know, there was that anticipatory excitement of the food, you know. Even, you know, sometimes I tell people, even, even the idea of ordering the pizza before I even ate it, <laughs> okay, that began, began to change you know, my, 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 my physical self, you know, in a sense, I, I would get that calming effect knowing the food was on its way. You know, um, the food helped me to forget the internal demons, you know, that I was, that I was, um, that I had just for a few seconds, just for a few minutes. Of course, I, it produced an effect. It produced a sensation that was different. And, you know, other people, they dealt with those things in other healthier ways. Right. But for me, it, it was a it was an anesthetic. It was a it was a numbing agent at times. And, you know, there was a reason that uh, I remember one of my earliest thoughts, you know, my earliest food memories was consuming an entire bottle of baby aspirin. You know, <laughs> I was chasing in an effect. You know, there was a reason at my first sleepover uh, that I remember uh, with a friend that uh, that um, I ate almost an entire loaf of toast, <laughs> you know, it, it produced something in me that it didn't do for my friend, you know, but it did it for me. And of course, you know, that when we chase that effect and that sensation, it's so elusive that I will continue to chase it. And, and eventually I can't separate the truth from the false. It seems the only normal thing for me, you know, so I continue to do it year after year, decade after decade. So thank goodness that we, that Dr. Silkworth identified this stuff. It's a really, really important uh, paragraph. I need to understand this. It's critical that I do. With that, I pass. Thanks, Amy. Thanks so much, Larry. Okay, Karen Kay, your turn. Please go ahead. Hey, this is Erin Kay from Michigan. Could it have been me that you heard? Erin, yes, that's awesome. fine, and I just didn't hear correctly. Yeah. Thank you. No worries. Thanks for your service. Um, this this one sentence, you know, um, about the effect, it helped me understand so much about myself and this disease. 
and you know it explained to me why you know it it, it it didn't seem to matter after a while what the food even was or what it tasted like i mean sure certain things definitely charged me up more than others but you know like the ultimate for me was ice cream and i could eat keep eating that ice cream until i was so full i wanted to throw up sometimes did so like it stopped tasting good it tasted like dough or like plastic it i would be crying and screaming at myself okay last bite last bite stop 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 why are you doing this stop you know you don't do that because it tastes good <laughs> It has nothing to do with that. And the other, you know, somebody said something very helpful to me at one point along recovery, which is if you're still getting an effect from food, you can't get the effect from steps, the steps. And so I have to watch out because I can get an effect from, you know, eating too many carrots. I can. That's why we measure everything. It's not the same for all of us. But if I'm trusting and relying on food, I'm not trusting and relying on God. I'm closed off. I can't hear your beautiful voices. You know, I don't want to wake up in the morning to hear your beautiful voices. You know, none of this, you know, it's, it's all completely blocked off if I'm still getting the effect from food. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Erin. Okay, Larry G. up, followed by Harlan G. Go ahead, Larry. My name's Larry Jean. I'm from California, and I want to give a shout out to the reader. It was really well done. Um, you know, when I before I came to Visions, I I could not admit that I had a uh, a brain disorder. I how could I, Larry Larry G. Bill W. Jr., who had a successful business that required um, a lot of intelligence. How could I have good social relationships, marriage, you know, family? Um, I just never could admit. I could admit that I was, I had a food allergy, but I couldn't admit that I had uh, a brain disorder, that there was, uh, I couldn't differentiate from the truth from the false until I came to a vision for you. Because I had, I got half of it right. I was physically, at times, I was physically sober from my alcoholic foods, at times. Uh, and I was able to stop and start, I thought. But I never could see myself as having the queer mental twist. I could, I could admit that as an alcoholic, recovered alcoholic, but not as a compulsive eater. But I could see how wrong I was when I came to a vision for you, that I, to be entirely absent, I had to be free from the obsession as well as the allergy of the food, physical and mental. Um, those of you who, like me, who are doubtful that you have your full flight from reality. Um, oftentimes we hear in meetings how we have a selective memory. We forget um, a previous drunk, previous binge. Well, I can prove it to you because you go to page 24 of the, of the A Big Book, it says on an analysis, it says that we are unable at certain times to bring in sufficient uh, consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering humiliation of a week or a month ago. Um, 
that tells me I have a brain disorder. If I can't remember with sufficient force the humiliation uh, just a week, a week or a month ago, that tells me I have a forgetful brain. Well, Larry, what's the antidote for that? Because, you know, that's not, that's, that's freeable. The antidote, in my opinion, is Monday through Friday, I'm on a vision for you. I sponsor, I am sponsored. Um, I text my food in. I reach out to new people. And I talk in these lines. I claim my seat here. Um, prior to coming a vision for you, yeah, maybe one meeting, two meetings a month. Um, occasionally calling my sponsor, never reaching out because I, as Bill W. Jr., I thought your job was to serve me, not to commence work with others. Uh, and so, um, yeah, at times I couldn't with sufficient force recall pain humiliation because I wasn't in the game. I wasn't claiming my seat. I wasn't, you know, attending meetings on a regular basis, hearing uh, the Hi. solution and the problem, problem the solution. So anyway, thank you for uh, your service I pass. Thank you, Larry G. Okay, Harlan G. followed by Johan. Go ahead, Harlan. Thank you very much, Amy, and thank you for your service. Um, and I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. This paragraph, if 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 this book were a building, this paragraph would be the cornerstone of the entire building. This paragraph, beginning with men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol, explains that food was never the problem. And from the time I was four years old, five years old, six years old, people would be screaming at me and pushing me and prodding me and yelling at my parents about how fat I was getting. And they told me something that they believed was true but was not true. It may have been true for them. It was not true for me. What they said was, in italics, food is something you have to give up. You have to control yourself. You have to use your discipline, young man. You have to use your willpower because food is, is, is killing you. No, food was the solution to the problem. Yes, food was killing me in the, in the sense I was getting fat, but food was the solution to the problem. Food was never the problem. And if food is the solution to the problem, if this effect is so elusive that I will pursue it to the gates of insanity or death and admit that it's injurious and I cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false, then what is the problem? The problem is the toxicity in my brain of the buildup of human emotion. That when fear set upon me, when anger set upon me, when happiness set upon me, when satisfaction set upon me, food made everything okay. It gave me that sense of ease and comfort, and it made the world go away, and it quieted the demons. Food made me look like James Bond. Food made me look like the man from UNCLE. Food made me look like Steve McQueen, because it had an effect on my brain that was almost like a psychotic delusional effect. The only problem was it only lasted about nine seconds. And after that, the horror, the horror, the nightmare of what I was doing to myself yet again after oaths and promises never to do it again was upon me. 
Does it say I can't differentiate the true from the false? Yes. Does that mean I think today is Saturday? No. What it means is I will fool myself into thinking, because of the mental blank spot, that this time eating a whole chocolate cake will be okay, that this time I'll be able to just take one piece of pizza, and that's never been true. Never been true. And the physical allergy and the twist mm-hmm. of the mind conspire to kill me, and I have an illness which only a spiritual awakening will conquer. And with that, I will pass. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Harlan. Johan, followed by Vasa O. Johan, you're up, please. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Amy. Thank you for your service. My name is Johan N. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Sweden. Yeah, great two sentences and great chairs. so happy to be here. Um, I grew up, I grew up with alcoholics, raised by alcoholics, and uh, I grew up with violence. I grew up with dysfunction, and uh, as a kid, I felt really disconnected. I felt separated. I felt unloved. Um, but uh, at an early age, I found food, and food made me feel okay. When I had food, when I had a Snickers bar, I felt okay. I felt that I could be in the world. Uh, it doesn't, didn't matter what the outside circumstances was. Food just produced that effect in me that I could feel at ease. I could feel calm. And I, I, could, uh, I could feel the love that I was searching for. Um, and the, I mean, the disease is progressive. It's only get, it only gets worse, never better. And what once produced this effect stopped producing this effect. Um, <clears throat> food for me was like throwing water on a fire. And that fire went out and I got, uh, I got uh, to feel at peace. I got to feel calm. But in the end with food, it was like throwing gasoline on this fire. You know, it just produced more anxiety. I just felt worse. I got more fears. And I, 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 in the end, I was at no man's land, you know, where, I, where food didn't work anymore. I couldn't live with food and I couldn't live without food. And there I was at, the, you know, at a real fantastic place. Because from here, I have, was out of ideas. I did not know where to go. And then I came to OA. And... Uh, coming to OA, OA didn't work the first time I tried it because I tried to do it my way. I tried to do it like a couple of meetings a week, making outreach when I felt like it, uh, and just dragging the dragging the steps. Uh, but going out again to the food and coming back, I was willing to do anything to recover. And I found these meetings, Vision for You meetings. Uh, I got a sponsor. I worked through the steps really quickly. And I had a spiritual awakening where I got this ease and comfort, uh, feeling calm, feeling connected, feeling love by something else than from the food. And it's just amazing. This program is just a, a fantastic miracle. Today I live happy, joyous, and free one day at a time. Uh, thanks, to the, thanks to the steps. Thanks to Big Book. Good sponsorship within OA. And that I... <clears throat> that I live one day at a time in step 10, 11, and 12, daily 10 steps, 11, step 11, morning and night, 
step 12, try to sponsor my ass off. And uh, being on daily meetings, doing daily outreach, calling my sponsor daily, receiving daily calls from my sponsors. You know, all that uh, make me have this connection with God. Because abstinence is not the most important thing in my life. Relationship with God is the most important thing in my life. And having a conscious right. contact with God, that is the most important thing in my life. And a byproduct from that is that I am abstinent. And with that, I pause. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Johan. Okay, Vasa O, followed by Rob G. Go ahead, Vasa. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Amy, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive over here to come from poor Charlotte, Florida. And food was love for me. My food addiction didn't blossom until we came in America. I was like 15 years old when we were introduced to all these foods that we didn't have in the old country. So, But I loved the big book, and I loved the way you know we read only a few paragraphs or one paragraph or a couple sentences because I I can follow it like that better because I'm forgetful. If we read a page or two pages, forget it, I get lost. So I love coming to this meeting, and I'm just, it's such a gift to me, to all of us. So I love the taste of the food, and I love the effects of the food. It made me feel excited. I couldn't wait to have more and more. It was progressive over the years. I had no clue it was a disease. I had no clue it was eating disorder or compulsive overeating. I, I had it all, but I didn't know anything about it till I came to the programs. And I'm just so grateful that uh, I found hope in this program. And I, I ate over anything. Happy, sad, angry, mad, I ate over anything because it took that, it made me feel good for that moment, for that little while. But then I wanted to go back. I wanted more of it. And when I went on my crazy, stupid diets, and I'd say, oh, you did so well, and the craving would start, you know. I'd say, well, you can only have one. This is before I came to program and recovery. I suffered with this addiction for 25 years with effects with addiction. And uh, I didn't find the help till I came to my Overeaters Anonymous. So I didn't know, as I said, I, was, I had a disease. I didn't know about the allergy. I had no clue. And I was terrified when I found out about it because I saw family in my own, my own family dying from the disease. And I didn't want to die. And that's why I was ready and willing and ready to surrender to a higher power greater than myself. I didn't care. I will surrender to God, higher power, this program. I do not want to die. And that was the key. That's what I needed. And, and I've been fo- the follower of these 12 steps for many, many, many years. And this is the only thing that has worked. And I work the steps to the best of my abilities. And I love where we are now, you know. Um, and just to give reminders, how I felt when I came before the programs and where I am in my own recovery. 
I don't have these desires any longer. I don't need the food for comfort. I needed a higher power in my life more than anything else, and that's what I have, my higher power as the center of my life today, not the food. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Perfect timing. Okay. Roz G, you're up, but before you go ahead, I'm just going to let everyone know so they could be ready uh, who would like to share. We are on, we are in the doctor's opinion. We are on page XXVIII. We are on the fourth paragraph going through two sentences, starting with men and women drink essentially, ending in differentiate the true from the false. Okay, Rob, please go ahead. Okay, thank you very much, Amy. Thank you for your service. My name's Ross G, and I live in Palmdale, California, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And 2022 is my 20th year as a member of Overeaters Anonymous. And as of today, according to my OA app, I have 2.75 years of abstinence. So that says that while I'm very grateful for everything I learned in OA and being a member for so many years, it took me 17 years to become abstinent. And as with the other shares, there's a particular food that made me, made everything okay. And it was macaroni and cheese. And I loved the color. I loved the texture. I loved all the many different recipes where it was like you used one different cheese or 10 different cheeses, the over the rainbow kind, you know, whatever kind it was, it put, it put me over the rainbow. (laughs) And I, at, at uh, holiday parties with my family, um, you know, did you bring the macaroni and cheese for Roz? Um, maybe, uh, you know, they made it because they knew it would put me in a good mood because maybe I sucked to be around. I don't know. Um, but the last time I had an encounter with it was when I was starting in, starting abstinence and I was in a buffet line in Las Vegas at a, at a, at a, a writer convention and nobody knew I was in OA there, but I knew and God knew. And I had to cast my eyes off of the macaroni and cheese in that warming plate in the in the buffet line. But to say that today I'm abstinent and I'm fifty nine years old. I'll be I'll be fifty nine years old this August and my 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 body's changing, my my metabolism is changing, and I still can see uh when I go on social media uh, there, I'll scroll through stuff and I'll see beautifully designed pastries. And because I have an incredibly short memory, that, that built-in forgetter, um, I can say, oh, that would taste so good. But because like Johan, because I work with sponsees every day, because I make outreach calls or I take outreach calls every day, because I do the step work, the nightly review, the 10th step every day, those people remind me. And when, okay, and I'll wrap up by saying, when, when the, the, I'm reminded 
that that stuff is poison. I don't eat it anymore. Thank God for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Ross. Okay. So we have time to take some more shares. Again, if you shared on Monday or Tuesday, if you wouldn't mind letting some others share first, that would be great. Who would like to share Melissa C. Melissa C. Ginger C. Shanna C. Shanna C. Okay, I know I missed a few people. I got Melissa C., Ginger C., Shanna C., and there was probably two or three other voices in there I missed. Pete B. Pete. Gotcha. And who else did I miss? Lynn S. Ah, I thought I heard you there, Lynn. Okay, Lynn S. I think we've got time for one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, let's hold right there. Um, sorry if I missed you. Please uh, share on the second hour if we can't get to you. But right now I've got Melissa C., Ginger C., Shauna C., Pete B., Lynn S. Go ahead, Melissa. You're up. Grab the mic. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much, Amy, for your service this morning. Great meeting. Lots of really good information here. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, I think about this, like, this sensation that um, I chase, you know, the thing that I'm hoping always to get. I always was hoping to get this thing from the food, right? Cause, but it's elusive. So, I can't catch it, you know, and I was, I guess at some point it must have given me the easing comfort that I was looking for. I must have gotten some sort of hit off of it. But I have to tell you, like, my last many years of eating compulsively, like, it was, it was, it's like, I couldn't get it, you know. I never ate and said, oh, that hit the spot, like ever, as long as I can remember. Um, and yet, you know, I can't tell what's true and what's not true because every time I would pick it up again, I was really thinking that this is going to hit the spot. Whatever that spot is, I've got a spot that, that can't be hit. I mean, that's the injurious nature of this disease for me. And, and that's what I can't differentiate. That's the truth that I don't seem to know in the moment. You know, when I would go and get that food and, you know, have it in my car, I think actually the best part of the binge, the part where I was really feeling the most joy was before I even took the bite. When it was, you know, when Larry said in the beginning, like ordering the pizza, for me, having the plate in front of me filled before I took a bite of it was the was the pinnacle. It was like the best spot of it. I, of course, I could not bite it. Once I took that bite, it, you know, the desire for more grabbed me and drugged me, you know, just dragged me all around. And I had nothing, no choice but to, like, obey. You know, food was my master. I had to obey it. And I think the best thing, truly the best thing that ever happened for me was my last binge, you know, I ate something that did not even taste good, and I knew it didn't taste good, so I couldn't kid myself anymore that I was eating it for the taste or the flavor, but I I was hoping to get some sort of an effect, and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get, I couldn't forget the buzz. I couldn't even get to zero, you know, um, 
And that's a beautiful thing when, when we can't live with the food and we can't live without the food, you know, I think that's when we're ripe and ready to recover. And um, there is something that hits the spot. It's fellowship. It's support. It's in my relationship with God. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Ginger C., you're up. Good morning. Yep, getting there. Thanks, Amy. Uh, thanks for your service. Um, Ginger C., a real compulsive overeater and grateful to be on the line and, more importantly, grateful to be out of the food. Thank you, God, doing for me what I absolutely don't do. And this effect is a change which is a result of an action. And for me, as a real compulsive overeater, that action is always picking up that first bite, that first great lie that somehow food is okay, somehow food is still my friend. And from this last relapse that I have been dying in and so grateful to not be in today, again, because of God, I just could not differentiate the truth from the false. That's where my relapse absolutely began. I am still all about food. And although I was told to put the food down, when in doubt, you just leave it out, um, I listened because I I definitely was very inspired with the Virginia Beach uh, Conference. But then slowly things started happening. You know, a friend showed up with some of these cheese, rice, almond crackers. Never even thought about eating those. But she showed up with them for lunch one day and looked a little fun, looked a little exciting. Wow, you can have these with your lunch? And so she offered me some and I ate some. And then in time wasn't overnight, but in time, I'm eating a Cheeto because that's really what I want. It wasn't a cheese, rice, almond cracker. And anything to me out of boxes and bags, you know, that's fun. I'm eating on the perimeter today. I'm seeing food for what it really is. It's my life now. And I have to be clean and clear. And I can't differentiate the truth from the false because my brain is so convincing. My brain says, oh, you know what? This coconut water, it's going to keep you from COVID. It's going to keep you safe and protected. And you're not going to get sick, Ginge. It's okay. And then I'm drinking cases out of Costco. That's not okay. That's clearly seeking an effect. And we just can't be having fun with food. I love Ruth's talk now more than ever. Yeah, she's screaming. She's screaming because she knows. She experienced it herself, trying to still stay in the food game and find recovery. And it's entire abstinence, 100%. No fun with the food. When my food's quiet, I know I'm eating okay. And again, this brain is so crazy, it will still try to convince me, even when I'm doing 10, 11, and 12, even when I feel like I've got a strong program going on, these thoughts come because everything centers in my mind. So again, thank God for every beautiful bite because I finally saw the truth and the reality of this food, and I am not effing around. It is my life, and I cannot afford to keep relapsing. And I think, for me, my experience absolutely is I kept going back to the bite because I kept letting it slip in sideways. You know, I can have a French fry. It's not a big deal. It's a potato, for God's sake. Well, it's fried, and it's got a lot of oil, and I want more than one. But it's a potato. It's okay. So I'm just so, so grateful to be back with you all. I cannot believe the hell that I had to go to. But you know what? That's what it takes for addicts. You know, it takes sometimes going to these places. But to get step one and to get entire abstinence and to really see the importance of it head to heart, 
I wouldn't trade it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger. Shanna, Shanna C., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Shanna C. from Tennessee. Um, grateful Recover Compulsive Eater, uh, one day at a time, one meal at a time. Um, ah, epic. you'd think one of these days I'd stop getting emotional when I get on here and share, but I can't help but be so grateful that I belong. Um, thank you guys for all the beautiful shares and, uh, and, um, and I'm also grateful too that, that there are certain specific foods that, you know, when I hear mentioned or whatever, I'm like, my God, I, you know, you know, and it's funny how the mind will say, well, I must not be a compulsive overeater because I didn't want that particular food, but it doesn't mean the fact that I, at one point in time, I probably overate on it. In fact, I did. Um, and so that's one of the little mind games that my mind likes to play. And one of the things, when it talks about the effect, um, one thing that I, I can, and this isn't the same way it is for everybody, because this disease is so insidious and, and it has so many tentacles. Um, and it progresses in not just in, in the amounts and the, in the types of foods we eat and the, and the degradation we physically in eating. It's the mental uh, part of it too that that is so bad. Um, at least for me, anyway. When I, when I think of effect, I was someone that I didn't I didn't like feeling full. Some people don't like don't identify with that, but I hated that full feeling. But it didn't stop me from continuing to overstuff myself and actually cause physical damage to my stomach. Um, what I liked, the effect that I really liked was once I started eating, is that hope that came. Standing there, there was a sick, weird sense of hope that while I'm standing there in that pantry, chomping on whatever it was at the moment, was, okay, tomorrow will be better. I get to enjoy this now, but tomorrow is going to be better. The great obsession of every compulsive overeater is somehow, someday, I will control and enjoy my food. That was the sense of hope. I wasn't wanting to eat the food. You know, I was wanting hope. And um, the the cunning, baffling, powerful part of it was uh, that I could control and enjoy. I was craving that sense of control, that sense of mastery. And until I got to that point of utter hopelessness, and by the time I came into OA this last time, I had people commenting on just how healthy I was eating. I wasn't like binging all the time, I would, I, but I was absolutely, utterly miserable um, and needed needed help. And I, it was getting worse. I was continuing to gain weight despite how healthy my food was. Um, I needed the aid of a power greater than myself through these steps. I needed the identification of another compulsive overeater. I understood my problem. He carried this message to me and I was at that nadir of despair where I saw absolutely saw my powerlessness and, and haven't found it necessary to eat compulsively since because of all these tools in place and the, and the help that I've been provided. Right. So I want to I want to thanks for everyone for being here and thanks for allowing me to share and I'm so grateful for today. That's it. Thank you so much, Shannon. Pete B. Followed by Lynn S. Go ahead, Pete. You are up. Good morning, Amy. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater who recovered today by God's grace and mercy, and I'm in Pennsylvania. Amy, thanks for taking the meeting. Appreciate your service. Um, yeah, you know, what, what this, so what these couple of sentences tell me is that, you know, I go to the food, you know, it says men and women. I'm one of those. I'm, I'm assuming everyone on the line is one of those. Uh, drink or eat, essentially, because they like the effect produced by alcohol. 
drink because they like the effect produced by alcohol. It doesn't say that alcoholics drink because they like the effect produced by alcohol. It says that men and women drink because they like the effects produced by alcohol. Right? The fact that ease and comfort comes from, from eating, right, does not make me a compulsive overeater. Right? It's, it's just three paragraphs above. It says, just three paragraphs above, it says what makes me a distinct entity is the abnormal reaction that my body has to certain, to alcohol or for, for compulsive overeaters to certain substances, right? That's what makes me a distinct entity, not the fact that I get ease and comfort from food, because guess what? Everybody who eats it gets ease and comfort from food. Take a look, go to, you know, just, 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 just observe what happens. You, you, you know, we have, we have, we have, we have, uh, uh, natural requirements for nourishment. And if we're deprived of those, guess what we're going to get? Restless, irritable, and discontented because we need nourishment. Now, there are certain substances, certain ingredients that cause the abnormal reaction, that cause the phenomenon of craving, right? The fact that I enjoy my lunch I don't have to be on guard and worried about that it's going to make me eat more of it, right? I'm going to eat what's required, and that's it. Because I'm not ingesting the substances that cause the abnormal reaction, right? Right? Ease and comfort is not the enemy. I, I, you know, this concept, this idea that I, have, I got to weigh and measure my joy now, right? Like, I, 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 I don't know. You know, I, 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 that's not what I get from this book. It's not the message that I receive. Message I get is I'm gonna walk a free man today, right? That I've ceased fighting everybody and everything. I will be neutral, right? But I can't expect to become something that I wasn't created to be. Like these things have been put in me by the Creator, right? So my lunch, when I'm hungry at lunchtime, my lunch is gonna provide ease and comfort. It's not gonna. It's not gonna include any of the substances that cause this abnormal reaction, which make me the distinct entity, right? The challenge is, is that I have a mind that tells me I'm not a distinct entity. I have a mind that tells me that I'm not, that I don't have this thing, this physical reaction. And there, if that is addressed through grace and mercy. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Pete B. Okay, Lynn F. And then we'll have time for maybe one more share. So just think about it. All right, Lynn S., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Lynn S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. And those of us of a certain age might remember a cartoon show called Quick Draw McGraw. And he had a dog, and he would toss the dog a dog biscuit. And the dog would grab it in his mouth and then float up in the air and go, ah, as he drifted down. That was me. That was the effect that food produced in me. Comfort, oblivion. It removed all the pain. It removed that jangling nerve that was driving me insane, that was screaming inside me. And these two lines also explain why I ate chocolate. I hate chocolate. It gives me a headache. The only way I can eat chocolate is if I freeze it. And then it doesn't taste so chocolatey. 
and I would binge on it and binge on it and binge on it. Did I do it for the taste? No. I did it so that I could be swept into this glorious, blissful oblivion because life was so painful. I couldn't stand it. And it was so painful for me that I had 140 extra pounds surrounding me, trying to protect me from you and the world and the funny looks people might give me or the hurtful things they might say. But it was my own thoughts that were driving me crazy. So 140 extra pounds and working 24-7 so I never had to go out and be with people and turning down every invitation, although I was crying in bed because I wanted to be with people. But how could I leave? I had the whole passenger side of the bed filled with all my binge foods. I couldn't leave that because that hit, that sense of awe, ease, and comfort, although it was killing me, was the best thing in the world. Thank you, God, for these two lines. Thank you, God, for the understanding that they promote and that I know that I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind, which all those years of doctors and diet pills and pain ways never addressed. Thank you, God, they didn't. Because if they had, I never would have found a 12-step program created by God, a spiritual solution to my spiritual problem. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Lynn. Okay, so we have time, two minutes. Who would like a two-minute share? Nancy P. This is KDF. Nancy? Uh, Sorry, Katie, I got Nancy P. in there. No, Katie, Katie can go, Katie. Okay, thanks, Nancy. Katie, Katie F., you're up. Take a Good second, morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado at the moment. Um, and the line that the meeting's been awesome, but the line that sticks out to me still is they could not identify the truth from the false. And I started compulsively overeating and chasing that effect of food at such a young age that I didn't know that. I would ever not have some sort of chatter in my head about food. Like I didn't even think that was a thing that I could possibly, that even normal people didn't think about food at least a little. And so once I got entirely abstinent and had been abstinent for a number of months and had gone through the steps and was neutral with food, even then I didn't realize it. But then as time has gone by, I'm like, wow, I don't think about food ever. (laughs) I don't think about the effect of food ever. And it is so amazing. So I'm just sharing this for the newcomer who's out there who may think, why are we making such a big deal about this? But it is a big deal because not having that chatter in my head has given me has given me a rich, full life beyond my wildest dreams. And I didn't plan myself, so I'm going to pass. Thanks. Yeah, no, perfect timing. Great way to take us out. Thank you, Katie F. Thank you, Nancy. Nancy, maybe next hour, huh? Okay. Thank you, thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. 
Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Tuesday, April 12, 2022, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Vision for You OA meeting is 18,830. That's 18830. Um, and uh, Larry K., could you please close us now with the reading from the Vision for You on page 164? I'm sorry, not Larry K., I beg your pardon, Dara L. I think I'm supposed to do that. It's Dara yeah, L. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. You are correct, Great. I'm sorry. Thanks. Uh, this is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater. I wish I were Larry Kay. He's so cool. But um, anyways, <laughs> our, book, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.